This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to the Behold podcast, everybody. Today for us recording this is Wednesday afternoon and the weather's nice, sunshine, and we hope that wherever you are, whenever you are listening, uh, you are soaking in some good weather and some relaxing time in the Word as well. Hopefully this next little chunk of time can add towards that, towards some fruitful equipping time in, in God's Word. This is Sean and Dan, as usual. Yep, we're back here in the studio, so uh, you, hopefully you won't hear any side chatter. Although my uh, my fan is on, I should probably walk over there and turn it off. Can you guys hear it? Yes. Okay, I'm going to turn it off. Great. While I do that, you introduce our guest. In the meantime, we have quite a treat, quite a tall glass of water, if you will. The one and only Charles Lyle Mangster. Mangster. That's kind of like a gangster. What's up, y'all? Good to be with you. It this is. is fun. It is good. Um, I'm a little, little perplexed. Because you're wearing a sweatshirt. I'm not really sure why. Do you know that it's the middle of the summer? Yeah, but they sometimes the air gets pumping upstairs oh, here, here building, at the building. Yeah. And so I always have one. And so far, I haven't grown to the point where I'm so uncomfortable I have to take it off. It is funny, though, because if I cut you off, like top half is definitely like winter Charlie. And then bottom half is like It's not winter. It's Hawaii just a, it's a light Charlie. hoodie, y'all. And then some shorts. It's like an Eskimo jacket. It's a light hoodie <laughs> and some shorts. <laughs> How has the summer been for you, Charlie, and, and the rest of the main clan? Yeah. I, uh, you've probably heard me say something similar to this, but uh, I am a man of routine. I thrive when there's routine. And summer disrupts routine completely. Mm. Um, and, and this summer, thankfully, it has gone really smooth. Um, we've had good activities for the kids. Um, we actually just got back from a week at Mount Hermon where I was able to serve as the pastor in residence there. Uh, so I led a few seminars, um, but got to go and enjoy uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains for a week with the kids. We had a sweet, sweet time together. Um, also, it's wonderful. It's one of those places where the kids can just kind of run. There's yes. a lot of independence. And so it's fun to see them thrive in, in those kind of settings and still have really, really good quality family time. So I came back very refreshed and grateful. It's been a good summer so far. What a blast. Yeah. Did you guys get up and do any of the ropes core stuff? Are, they, do you, are your kids adventurous like that? Uh, they both have uh, an inclination towards it. Jude is much more cautious with that kind of stuff, and, and it freaks him out a little bit more. Stella is just let's go. She would yeah. do it without a harness, which yeah. <laughs> would not go well. Um, but they did the Discovery Grove course, which is kind of like the lower ropes. The, yeah, kind of yeah. The kids, that's fun. The, I've just yeah, seen that, yeah. Kids course, which is really, really great. Um, but earlier this summer, Stella was able to go out on the high ropes course with her cousins, and she crushed it. That's I so think fun. she got through like three-fourths of it. The, the last little bit freaked her out, but you're up real high. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's, uh, you know, there's a part of your brain that knows that you, if you fall, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. But there's another part of your brain that's like, nah. We're, yeah. not do, we're not doing this. Well, yeah, your body, your bo- everything yeah. in your body is like, this is not right. Why are we doing this? None of this is right. Yeah. Uh, and, and even though your heart and your brain might be like, no, no, you're, you've got a harness on, you're safe. You're going to be all right. And even if not, you're going to be with Jesus and that's going to be great. But uh, your everything in your body just kind of tenses up and freaks out, but it's fun. And they had a great, yeah, they had a, they had a great time. Mount Hermon's so nice. I love it up there. Yeah, it is. Really cool speakers. 
um, grateful for their insight and got to got to spend some time with them, which was really really sweet. What, what, um, what's all entailed when you're the pastor? In you said the resident pastor, pastor in residence. Yeah, what so does that mean? ultimately, um, it, it, you're required to provide a few seminars. So in the morning, there's a main session for the adults. The kids are off doing day camp or whatever you know, childcare, whatever place that they're at. Um, so you have breakfast as a family, and then the kids go off to their thing. The adults come together for the main session. There's a break after the main session, and then uh, they have hour-long seminars that take you right up to lunch when the kids get released from their, cool. their time. And so really, really, the, the major responsibility is just being available for those seminars, you know, Cool. What you, did you teach on? Yeah, so on Monday, I did one on dealing with specific um, areas of needed growth in your Christian walk. Hmm. It's actually something the staff walked through over the course of a summer here at Valley um, some time ago. And so, um, you know, Nathan had worked to boil that down to a page and then I had used, taken some time to edit it to, to be useful for an hour long session. And that was really impactful. People were extremely grateful for that. So that was a really cool time. And then the other one was just talking about grief and gratitude. So just taking people through, you know, how do we maintain a heart of gratitude in seasons of grief? Wow. Which was really sweet. It was really sweet to do that up there. There's so many memories of Sarah up at Mount Hermon. And so just to just to remember her and, and to, you know, I proposed there. We did a bunch of trips there. There's it's just a sweet time. Yeah. As much as there's grief in that, you know what I mean? It it reinforces just how grateful I am to have had the time with her that I did. Mm-hmm. Same with the kids. Like we have a band song in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh and and not for any other reason than it just makes Jude way too emotional. And that's great is thy faithfulness. It's one of those songs that yeah. Sarah would always sing to him and to Stella when they would go to sleep at night. <laughs> and so it's just it. a, it's just yeah. one of those things. And so he was down in, in day camp and for one of their events, they sang that song and he's just like, the tears just started coming oh, and I had buddy. to walk out of the room and, but it's really sweet for them to get to process, especially mm-hmm. in a place like that where, where there are a lot of memories, but also just, you're surrounded by the beauty of God. You're surrounded by like-minded people. You've got, for the kids, incredible counselors who just love on them so beautifully. So, yeah, it's cool. Cool, man. Love it. Well, shout out Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to over-segue it, but the idea of grief and gratitude and like the idea of what do you cling to when you lose someone important like that, I can't help but think about the disciples' time. Yep. You know, we're in Luke right now, we're in chapter nine, and pretty soon, just two weeks after what you just taught, Jesus is turning his face towards Jerusalem, and it's getting to be showtime for him um, approaching the cross, and the disciples are going to be left without him. And so Not we for s- long, though. Not for too long. <laughs> but we see a lot of those elements that you're just kind of describing, like, what do we cling to? And it's kind of interesting, because what you just taught at the crossing on Sunday was Jesus sending the 12 out. And giving them some instructions, which we're going to dig into in a second. Um, but really, the, the point of that, which you helped us understand, it wasn't just to give them that experience. It was to prepare them. Yep. It's to prepare them for the time that we're talking about when he was going to be rejected and, and die and, and leave them. Not for very long, <laughs> like you said. Yeah. Um, but then what we'll, we'll to follow? So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, the disciples' perspective. You know, we were just talking about before the podcast you and I and those of you listening, we all grow up with kind of that understanding that, yeah, Jesus dies on the cross. That's why Jesus is Jesus, you know, and he'd rise again. Um, but man, just try to imagine life as the disciples right now, you know, who they've dropped everything to follow this yep. man who, 
at first said he was the Messiah, then proved his ability to heal, and then that keeps expounding bigger and bigger. And he's like, no, this is God. This is unequivocally God, yep. right? And your 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 lives now center around following his teachings, doing what he commands you to do, you know. And you've just seen him do amazing things. You've seen him uh, feed thousands just a moment ago, and then he tells you he has to go die. Yep. And she's like, "What? I can't even like imagine." <laughs> well, especially, especially, I think with their their preconception of. Uh, what the Messiah would be doing, yeah. right? Ushering Con- conquer Jesus, about, yeah, <laughs> ushering Israel into this political powerhouse, um, assuming the throne of his father David. All, all these different things that that they have in their mind. And we said, you know, like even after his ascension back into heaven, after his death, resurrection, and in, in that time before his ascension, uh, you know, the disciples are like, okay, is now the time to restore Israel? Is is that what's going on here? And so there's there's this training that's needed. Uh, for them, and it's an ongoing needed training. It's also one of the reasons why God sent his Holy Spirit to us so that we here now and the disciples in the first century as they're planting churches and expanding the kingdom, there's still that training taking place, that reminder of of who Jesus is and what he truly came, what he fully came to accomplish through his His death. So yeah, I get it. You're like, no, you're the king. You're the guy who's going to take the throne. You're, you're not the th- and you're supposed to sit on the throne forever. Like, what are you talking about dying? Yeah. Like, that would be just a, a foreign thing for these guys to get their heads around. Well, and, and it's so easy for us to read the gospel narratives and to look at how how the apostles responded to Jesus's teachings and kind of roll our eyes a little bit. Sure, and just be like, "Come on, guys! Like, <laughs> yeah. don't you get it? Like, yeah. you've seen people be healed." Uh, sight restored to the blind. You've seen people raised back to life from the dead. You've, you've seen him calm the, the the waters, you know, you've seen and heard him teach with authority and have the, the ability to forgive sins. You know, I mean, it's just like, and still you, you don't get it. And it, it begs a question, which you, you posed on Sunday. Like when we, when we look at the apostles and we kind of understand the, the unique time in history where they interacted with Jesus and followed Jesus. Uh, you know, the, what are we supposed to glean yeah. from our, from them? And, and what is a one-to-one between us and them? And what, how can we, how can we learn to be better disciples of Christ by, by watching how they failed, how they succeeded, yep. what Jesus taught them, what he charged them with. And so maybe that'd be a good place to just kind of start our, start our conversation today because you, you posed that to us, you know, yep. to, to start thinking about this week. Well, and I think, I think just, just on the offset, like, yeah, we, it's, it's easy to be like, Oh, Peter, here you go again. Yeah, or, right. Oh, come on, you guys, how, you, you know, you're, you're going to very soon see the transfiguration take place. And yet there's still this, this question, there's this question mark. But let's be honest, if there was a, an account, an accurate historical account of my life <laughs> and all of my failures yeah. and all of my successes and all of the ways that God has shown himself over and over and over to me as being faithful and trustworthy and true... I think my account would look worse than some of these guys. You know yeah, what I mean? Like be a lot of eye roll moments. Right? Yeah. Just like, what are you doing? And so so I do think that there is a, a an immediate application for us to look at what Jesus does with them, to see how he treats them, to understand he's still 
operates in many ways that same way. It's just not in physical presence um, with his people. Like, yeah. you know, again, we're not charged with the exact same kind of mission, though the content of that mission is the same. 100%. And I'm glad you brought that up because for sure, I think about the disciples and on one hand, I'm like, dude, you just saw him raising a man from the dead. You just saw him do this. You just saw him do this. Like, how can you lose faith? And yet I'm confident that like, unfortunately, those dudes are all more faithful than me, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like you said, it, I'm so grateful that that is what's in the gospels because it points towards God and Jesus's faithfulness and just kindness with us in that way, understanding how fickle we can be and yet being steadfast for us, yeah. right? Um, but to go back to your question, Dan, you asked, you know, what are the things that are the same and what are the things that aren't the same, you know? Because to be clear, it's like, obviously you read the gospels and there's so many things that are so clearly intended to be instructions for us too. And be, be things that are meant to guide our lives. But there's other things that, yeah, they, they are specific tasks given to specific people for specific reasons, you know? Yeah. And so with this charge that you taught through the 12 going out, yeah, there's elements where Jesus had a specific task in mind for them that's different than us. You know, as we go into, I'll just read verse one. It says, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then he gives them a list of what that's supposed to look like, how they're supposed to live in the midst of that. But to me, just some some easy ones. Like, I I don't think Jesus has given me in that same way, all authority and power over demons and diseases, right? He's told me I can trust in his authority and power in that way, which we for sure want to do, but he hasn't told me I can do that. So that's one difference. And there was a point for that, for the, for the apostles, right? Like what is Jesus doing? He's ushering in what, what he calls the night from Isaiah 61, this year of Jubilee, this year of, of the Lord's favor, the Lord's favor. Right. Um, and, and what Jesus is doing as he proclaims the kingdom, he is giving a taste of what that kingdom looks like. And there is a uniqueness to his ministry and that time in history, um, that I think we have to take into account. Now, does that mean that we don't pray for people to be healed or we don't, you know, of of course we're still going to do that kind or of even, stuff. Or even but it's different. seek to deliver someone who, who, yep. who has oppressed by you. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, and, and even think about Jesus's life before he started his public ministry. So before, remember back to Luke, he he, he gets baptized by, by John the Baptist. The Spirit of God leads him into the desert. But what happens at that moment is the, the Spirit of God comes upon Jesus, comes and rests upon Jesus. Because yep. before that, he's not, he's not, healing diseases. He's not teaching with authority. He's not casting out demons. Jesus was just, he's just a regular guy. Getting ready. Yeah. You know, I mean, still not I mean, a regular guy. Yeah. I know what you mean, but yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so what, what you see is the, the power of the spirit coming upon him yep. and that's what is, is enabling him to have this astonishing ministry that we see in Luke and, and in the other gospels. And so, yeah, there's there's a special impartation that that is happening here for this this season uh, where the kingdom is unfolding, you know, so, right yeah. before their eyes. Yeah, and then yeah. for him to then transfer that authority and 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 ability to his twelve to go and do the same. And it's not just the twelve; other people are going to start to experience yep. that as we continue to move forward. But like you said, it's for time, for purpose, yep. you know. And for us, like you said, we pray, we pray and we trust that Jesus will do those things. The Holy Spirit will do those things, but it's no longer you and I that have that in power that in the same way. Sense, yeah. But obviously there's a huge one that we do have the same mission, which is proclaiming the kingdom of God. Amen. Right. Yep. And even then how Jesus goes into elaborate on what their lives are supposed to be like, that totally translates to us. Well, and let's, and let's talk about that really quick. So 
because how I think it'd be easy for someone who's listening. Okay, well, how did you make that? How how did you make that distinction right there? Because you said we're definitely not. Uh, it's not a one to one in verse one, but in terms of gospel proclamation, how do we as as modern followers of Christ in twenty twenty three in this era, how do we know that that is, cause you, someone could just take, take that same logic all the way down. Right. So what, what do, what has God given us to, to help illuminate that? The rest, the rest of the word. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it really is. Good. And, 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 and scripture lays it out that, that as Christ is the cornerstone, right? He's the, he's the foundational set piece for what the church is, but the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles teaching. That teaching came from Jesus to the apostles, but then they go out and they're saying, Hey, here's what life in the kingdom now looks like. Here's what it's, here's what's going to transpire. And so when you get into the rest of the new Testament and you see Paul and Peter and, and others just repeatedly hammering home, like your life is a display Mm-hmm. to the to the heavenly authorities it's a display to the people around you you know you're you're looking for that kind of of living where your life reflects the legitimacy and power of the gospel yeah and I'll, and I'll even give an example of just that exactly you just described because in verses um three through six Jesus is going to explain what their journey should be like right and basically he says like don't don't take a bunch of stuff with you like just go and don't treasure possessions you know or, or a roof over your your head but just go and make your life about me basically is what he's saying. And, and then he says, people will reject you, shake off the dust, you know, and keep being faithful to, to live for me. That's kind of the gist of what he's going to say through those things. And an example of what you're talking about is right after this, which is what I taught at the Ultima, after Jesus gives what we're going to talk about in a second with what his, his plan is, he says, not if you, he says, if anyone wants to follow me, this is what their lives have to be like. And he says those same two themes about you live for me, not for yourself, you know, and you yep. be faithful to what I've called you to. And so that's an example of, okay, I can look at this and say, this probably applies to my life too. Even yep. though I'm not literally walking out on the dusty trails, you know, the point is Jesus expects as I follow him, if anyone follows him, that they're going to encounter these same types of issues. And here's how we respond to those types of issues. Yeah. And just, I mean, the Galatians thing, right? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's Christ's mission? It's his kingdom. And so, that is the, we are the channel for that kingdom to be expressed today. Yeah. And we, we talked last week about the great commission and we talked about this idea that all of us, whether we are involved in global outreach or we are in the you know private sector or we're in the military or we work in a church or we're a student or a mom or whatever, we're all on mission. Yep. We're all part of God's plan to make his manifold wisdom known to the world and to the the cosmic forces yep, and the spiritual, spiritual realms. Yep. You know, that's, um, that's Ephesians three. And I think what's really cool that we were talking about on Monday, actually in staff meeting is, um, you read the great commission and it's, and it's easy for, for someone to mistakenly say, Oh, this is my Lone Ranger rogue mission. I'm supposed to go to the far edges of the world, or I'm supposed to go to inner city Oakland and stand on a soapbox and, and preach repent, you know, and, and those things may be part of the the picture, but as you, as you look at the rest of the apostles teachings in the new Testament, what you see is, Hey, God's plan a, for the great commission, for the un, for, for, for the unfolding, the continued unfolding of my kingdom, to make more disciples, to baptize them, to teach them, to 
uh, proclaim the gospel, God's plan A is for that to happen in the church, in a, yep. in a community of believers, building one another up in love, and then going out and contacting those people in, in the marketplaces, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's very much that, that, you know, we talk about it, I think a lot on Sundays, but, but what is your sphere of influence? And, and that is right. where God has placed you. He's also equipped you with everything you need to function in that sphere of influence for his kingdom. Right. So it's so like an extreme example, you know, you could read chapter nine in Luke and, and without the proper, perspective or, or understanding con- of context, you could be like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm supposed to sell every- all my possessions and just go on the road and leave behind everything. And don't even bring a, don't even bring an overcoat with me and just go door to door, town to town. And, and you, you know what I'm saying? You yep. could, that, wow. We're all supposed to do that. <laughs> if we all did that, um, we'd be, we'd be missing God's plan for, for the church to be, the um the revealer of 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 God's mystery and God's manifold wisdom yep. the the way that God has designed for the world to understand the gospel is th- is through the church and then concentric circles going out and that doesn't mean that some people won't be called to the Navajo reservation or some people won't be called to Papua New Guinea or someplace in Africa a remote village whatever but that is not necessarily the, that's an example I think of, of, Hey, we can't just go one-to-one with this stuff. Yeah. And I think this is a good, just, I mean, side note, example of why as a church family, we tend to cling to the things that are really obvious and clear in scripture about where the lines are drawn. Cause there's other areas that the lines aren't so clear, you know, and this is kind of an obvious one in chapter nine, but you know, to go somewhere that's more contentious, if we talk about, you know, acts and, Pentecostal giftings and whatnot, what divides people who who would say that Pentecostal gifts apply right now to us or not, usually it comes down to that. It comes down to how they're dividing. Is this a charge for specific people or a charge for everybody? You know, yep. And because it can be interpreted differently by wise, Jesus-loving people, <laughs> it's not worth us as a church taking a stance on something that we know you can interpret that differently. It doesn't mean you're sinning. It doesn't mean that you're speaking heresy necessarily. And so it's better and wiser to to stick upon the clear things like, yeah, Christ is Lord. Yep. He is Messiah. His kingdom he he is does here, call yeah. for the, us all to work towards his kingdom in this way. And so when we look at stuff like this, again, it's like, okay, we, we understand kind of the big charge of the, the, the disciples versus us. But then kind of on a zoomed out level, like on the topic of mission, I think that's one of the first things I think about is just like, man, are, are we living on mission or not yep. because God has called us to things, not this thing, but he's called us to things. And just, could you imagine if the disciples lived their lives and responded to some of the ways that we do yeah, right, right. <laughs> or just like, go, go do this. And they're like, yeah, maybe like next week I'll do that. What Jesus. Did he, what did they mean by that? You yeah. Know, hey, let's, you know, we got to take some time to theologically figure that out. Well, I do think it's important just, just to note too, like with, with, the context of that society, it's so different than what we live in. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't go walk into a town and expect somebody just to open their home to me and invite me in to stay. That doesn't happen. A stranger. Right. That might still happen in Iraq or Iran or some of these Middle Eastern countries that are built upon community more so than they're they're built on individualism like we are here. And so I think that that's a huge piece too, is just, you know, for people who struggle with that idea of, okay, do I, am I supposed to go sell all my belongings and mm-hmm. then give it to the church? Well, we, we, we function a little differently 
Yeah. You know, and what was happening in the New Testament church was everybody was doing that so that everybody's needs were being met. You know what I mean? Like, so, so if we're on this individual crusade and saying, oh, I, I guess I need to go sell everything I own, that's going to be rough. I, I, I mean, I respect your heart. I respect like that, that, that zeal, but I just don't think that that is necessarily what's being communicated that that means it's, it's true for every Christian and every day in every country and every time, you know? Yeah, and what does it look like for us to be faithful to? Yep. And, and I think you're referencing like acts two. you know, just the, the oh, everything in the common, account, yeah. the account of, of Luke uh, of like, Hey, the church, you know, in Jerusalem, they they pulled together. They were they were really living in community. What does that look like to you know when we contextualize it in our modern era in this part of the world? We have to ask God for wisdom. What does that look like? Because the the through line the the normative thing is we're caring for each other. We're living yep. in fellowship. Yep. We are providing for each other's needs, and and you know sometimes we're maybe farther off of that mark than, than we realize, but we have to ask for God's wisdom on, on contextualizing it because it's not always just a one-to-one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'll just read some of your headers from your notes, because I think you did a good job of explaining how it is one-to-one for us. And just these three things of, as they're launched into their fray, what are the three things that describe them? And does this apply to us? And I think it's a yes to all three. So a, the disciples are empowered and sent by Jesus. I think that is really fair to say that is you and me. The apostles must trust in God's provision with contentment. Very much you and me. The apostles must understand that they will face rejection. Very much you and me. Right. And so we can absolutely look at this and say, yeah, our spheres are different. Like you guys said, the context is different, but just am I reflecting this heart? Which again, sadly, especially in this area, you know, in Western Christian society and the affluent area, it's really easy to, not live up to those three things, yep. you know, yep. trusting God's provision with contentment, you know, to answer his calling actively. It's really easy to just sit in the routine of life and not do those things, you know? So anyways, that circles back to my first question of just, man, are you and I, those of you listening, are we answering the call? Are we living on mission or are we not? You know what I mean? Yep. Well, and I think that is a great segue to just the second issue we want to tackle today, which is training yeah. and spiritual growth and, really transformation to become more like Jesus. Yeah. And let's just kind of talk about what that looks like for us, because it's so clear to see that the disciples are, are in Jesus's training program. You know, it's kind of like a, like a, um, which was common in that day, kind of a rabbi taking on disciples and, and, and showing them the way. And obviously Jesus was doing it in a manner that no one had ever yeah. experienced or that people were amazed and astonished in the ways that he was bringing them along. But as we look at them, I think it's a good opportunity for us to reflect on, on our own spiritual growth journey. And as disciples of Christ in 2023, what are we doing to participate with Jesus in the transformation and growth that he wants to see in our lives. And so let's just kind of start to unpack that. What does that, what does that look like for us personally? Yeah. Like how do we, how do we make sure that we are staying in God's training program? And especially as it relates to failure and just 
forgetfulness. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and distraction yep. and yeah. doubt and all that stuff. I'd love to hear. I think it'd be a good thing for us to just talk about it on a personal level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think it, we 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 would be uh, uh, missing out if we didn't just mention that the whole theme and goal and tagline of this podcast is that we all, with unveiled face, are beholding Christ. Um, and are being transformed into that same image, the image of Christ from one degree to gl- of glory to another. It starts with beholding. It starts with with actively um, wrestling through and thinking through and internalizing and, and even memorizing for the sake of having it written on our hearts, uh, the things of Christ. You know, that, that God, um, you know, I, I, one of the speakers up at Mount Hermon was talking about scripture. And he, he was just saying, like, you, you know, when you go to a different country and you don't know the language, you've got to figure out their phonetic system. You know, what, what, how, how are they putting words together if you're going to mm-hmm. try to actually communicate with them? And he says, Scripture is God's phonetic system to know him and to That's understand so cool. him. And so when we, when we value Scripture like David did, like I write it on my heart, it's more precious than gold and silver, it's m- more, you know, beneficial than honey, what, what, whatever else, right? Um, that is going to be the launching place. It's going to be the place where we learn to hear his voice, where we learn to um, discern what the spirit of God is revealing to us and speaking to us. Um, it has to be the foundation because um, we as human beings can get very crafty and creative and there's a lot of deceit in the world mm. and we can very easily mistake some internal kind of sense uh, for being the Holy Spirit, if that sense, if that that message does not align with Scripture, we're going the wrong direction. We're listening to the wrong thing. If we don't know Scripture, we're not going to have the ability to discern that. And so, I think that the key place of training is is going to God's phonetic system. You know, going to His 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 Word and and realigning our whole worldview, our whole philosophy, our whole understanding in light of what he reveals to us through that. It's the way we relate to him. Yeah, no, you're right. It comes back to the word. And I know we've hit that a lot, obviously on this podcast of, you know, second Corinthians three eighteen of beholding the Lord, which how do we do that? Through his word, through seeing him in his word. Uh, but I mean, scripture is riddled with this. You know, I think about second um, Timothy three, which says that all scripture is breathed out by God and it lists some of the benefits and it says that it's useful for training in righteousness, you know, so God can use it to, to, to complete us. The man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So that's a really obvious image of training. You know, I think about uh, like Romans six, which talks a lot about our identity of going from death to life. And then Paul gives these instructions of like, so because you have life, because you've been baptized and, and crucified with Christ, here's how you live if you want to experience life. Yeah. And he basically says the same thing. He says, you need to hold to the standard of teaching that you've been taught, the word of God. And as you do that, and as you fight sin, present yourself as a slave to righteousness, you're going to be sanctified and receive fruit. You know, which on that note of sin, it's like, I think of those two things that Paul lined up. Cling to the word, don't sin. <laughs> you right, know? Right. And it's hard because obviously we all know we're all sinners. We're going to sin every day and God, and Jesus is gracious with us in that way. But, there's so much of that that we can actively fight against yep. that we should be actively yeah. repenting from and fighting against. And it's like, it's like the, the idea of trying to grow in, in faithfulness to God, trying to grow in wisdom and discernment, trying to grow in my Christlikeness, but being okay with a certain area of sin in my life is incompatible. Yep. You yeah, know what I mean? It, it reminds me. Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's simple. 
but it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, yeah, because we have so much against us to distract right. us, to deceive us, right. to call out for fleshly satisfaction. All mm-hmm. this stuff is working right. in opposition. So it, it reminds me of in college, I had um, a roommate who was studying to be a paramedic. And I was just so amazed at how thick his textbooks were. <laughs> I mean, it was like eight or nine like five inch five thick, inch thick, yeah, and and there was so much to to pour over and read and learn, and you can't just read it once. I mean, if it, we're talking life or death, if you're trying to do some kind of intervention that's going to save someone's life, you you can't just have like some cursory knowledge of it. Like you need to know intimately, and how do you do it? You you read it, and then you practice it, and then you read it again, and you practice it again. It, it was this training process and how, how ridiculous would it have been for this, for my roommate to expect to pass his exams without going through that process. Yeah, well, Hey, I bought it, the book. Yeah. I got, I don't need to read it. I yeah, bought it. I got it. I've got a Bible sitting right. on my shelf. Nobody, That's would, a, nobody no, would, silly. nobody would expect that to be a successful thing. Even if he like, he's like, Oh, I failed that exam. Like, okay, next time I'm going to try a lot harder. Next time I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm hanging out with all of my paramedic friends who are studying and hopefully by osmosis, I'll I'll just, I'll just receive, you know what I'm saying? No, it's like, you got to do the work, you know? And I think what is really cool about, uh, my, my roommate at that time, he just like, he was just a freak. He just loved it. You know, he was always constantly like trying to show me like these gross pictures of like someone's leg being amputated or like, here's how you, you know, intubate someone. I'm like, no, like gross. I don't want to look at that. (laughs) He loved it. Like he like, he, he like lived and breathed it, you know, and he made flashcards and he would meet up with people and do study groups and they would quiz each other. And he would, you know, watch weird videos and you know what I mean? Figure like he, out just, how to do this stuff, he yeah. just was into it and guess what? He became a paramedic, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? And so I think it's, it's, that's what I mean by it's not, it's not some mysterious like combination of things that we have to do or it's not like God's like hiding the way and we have to like uncover it somehow. It, it's, he's like, dude, you, you just have to get my word. Here's in you. truth. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but it takes effort. It yep. takes a lot of discipline. And, and I, I love reading first Timothy chapter four, or just, just the Paul's letters to Timothy are great because it's, they're basically training letters. Like, yep. Hey, here's how you, this is how you be an elder in the church. This is what I want you to do as the shepherd of, of this church. And so in chapter four, he's just pointing out, Hey, there's, there's some weird teachings going on around here. Make sure you are, you're, you're guarding the doctrine. If, if there's, if there's a teaching that comes in, that's contrary to what I've, what I've laid out to you, contrary to the apostles teachings, Hey, you got to get it out. You got to root it out. And he, and then in verse six, he says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. So first of all, it's just really simple. (laughs) He's your job as, as a, as a, as an overseer of this community is make sure that your body is nourished on the truth of the faith of the good teaching that you have followed. And then he says, make sure you don't have anything to do with any of the godless myths and the old wives tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. 
And that word train, we all hopefully all have some kind of understanding of this, whether it's the hard work we did to get our degree, whether it's, you know, uh, the gym we go to and, and the hard work we do to stay physically healthy, whether it's how we train ourselves not to eat donuts for breakfast every day, right? Yep. It's hard work. Training is not easy. And verse 80 says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Yeah. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Verse 10, that is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people. So again, we see that the whole, the whole like reason why we work so hard, the reason why we discipline ourselves, the reason why we, we don't make any provisions for our flesh, the reason we, why we try to see, I, the word try just snuck in there. Yeah, train. <laughs> the reason why we train ourselves is so that we can become more like God. Yep. And, and the benefit of that is eternal. Yep. Well, and I think I think that part of that eternal benefit is that God will use our lives here and now to reflect the legitimacy of his truth of his gospel to a world that will come to glorify God because they see it in us. Yeah. And and then we get to step into eternity and see how God used our lives to usher mm-hmm. others into his kingdom. Right. And and there's just such benefit. I'll I'll share just it should a quick be, Well, just really quick. Yeah. And that whole thing is that's what motivates us to keep us on mission. Yep. That that beautiful hope that we have that that our training, our hard work is not just for nothing. Yep. It's not just so that we can look better in, you know, those bicycle shorts or whatever. <laughs> like it's, it's so that we can, you do look great though. On bicycle Thank you. Shorts. I appreciate that. The training that we're doing, it has benefit people, people's lives will, will be forever changed yeah. because we worked hard to stay on mission. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think just practically, I'll, I'll share a little bit um, on, on how this has played out in my life recently. Um, I think I shared on a Sunday, at least at the Crossing Campus, that May is just a, a rough month for me. Um, with Mother's Day, it would be uh, the anniversary um, of Sarah and I's marriage, uh, just, just all kinds of things, the end of school and all that comes with that. And I, I just was going through a season where I was slowly but surely growing more depressed and more anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I wasn't as proactive to, to recognize it or to be on top of it and, and to see that. And I want to grow in that first and foremost. I want to be ready for those seasons. I want to be ready for when those trials come. But, um, you know, God in his grace just really brought to mind First uh, Peter 5, you know, 6 and on. And, and it's become just a a nightly routine for me, you know, cause obviously during the day I got the kids, I got work, I got all these different things and it's easy to stay busy. And when that busyness stops, all of a sudden, any of that residual stuff starts to kind of reenter my head and swirl yeah. around. And so I stop and I say, okay, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, uh, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Oh my goodness. What a promise there is there. Yeah. Um, that, that when I stop and remember his control, his sovereignty, um, that there is a time coming where he is going to raise me out of this pit. I think both in this life, but especially in the life to come. Right. And then he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay. Can I take that at face value as a promise from God that he cares for me and he is inviting me to bring my anxieties before him and to hold them uh, in light of who he is. Mm. Uh, be sober minded. Don't let those external things that maybe distract me uh, become 
the only focus, right? Be sober minded, uh, be watchful. So be alert and ready that that attack will come because your enemy is prowling around like a lion seeking someone to devour. And then he says, resist him firm in faith. And so what's that resistance? It's not resist on your own strength. It is resist in the confidence, just like that Timothy passage of of the the truth of the doctrine I've been taught, right? Mm -hmm. That's what my faith is, is in the promises that I find in scripture. And so I will do that some, t- some nights, 10 times, I'll just walk, walk through that passage that whole, yeah. and just remember those truths and behold Jesus in those truths, how he followed that same pattern in his earthly ministry, you know, in the wilderness when he was tempted. What did he do? Mm-hmm. He resisted Satan firm in his faith, firm in his confidence of the promises of his father. So I, I think that the, that is a, just such a practical thing to do to, to identify scripture that speaks to that area of distraction, that area yeah. of forgetfulness, that area of temptation, whatever it may be. And then train your mind to actually believe it. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. We can read those passages and be like, that's so cool. Yeah. But then within 10 seconds, nothing in our life reflects belief. And and the nice thing is like, we have such a beautiful benefit that the disciples didn't have yet. And we do. That's the Holy Spirit. Is it's not just training our minds, which it is, but also as we do that, the Holy Spirit will remind our hearts and our minds. And that's the thing is like, I mean, I hate to use like dumb analogies like this when we're talking about this kind of stuff, but like think about like a diet. Okay. We all know if you're working hard in the gym and you're trying to eat healthy, if you're just pounding donuts, it's going to be counteractive, right? For that goal. You can't overcome that, all of that. And that's that's the center representation in this situation, right? And it's like, okay, you can try hard if you're sticking to your, your plan to not eat the wrong stuff and you can just fight it out. But if you have someone who can help you, a helper to remind you of truth, to, to convict you about righteousness on your plan, mm-hmm. who's like, I say, Dan's my guy, my nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm feeling like done. And he smacks my hand. No, yeah. <laughs> that is not what you're meant to do right now. You know, and that's the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And the thing is, as I dig into this, which we all know how, no, I just know we all, a lot of us know how this goes with the food thing and the fitness thing is like, you go through patterns, you go through seasons where if you're really digging into it, then yeah, a donut is going to be less appealing to you. (laughs) You know, if you're, if you're living like who knows what, then yeah, you'll eat junk food and there's no big deal. So in this situation, it's like, man, we have an opportunity to, to tune into the Holy spirit in this process. And we also have the ability to ignore him, to, to completely tune out his voice in our hearts and our, in our lives through his word, through his conviction in our hearts, whatever that looks like. And so while I agree, I just want to put a finer point on that of like, yeah, we train ourselves to think that way with the Holy spirit's help. And how do we do that? Again, it's like, we're going in a circle here. We turn to his word. We pray for help right? We stop sinning. We say no, because we know it's counteractive to the heart that God wants us to have. And then like Dan said earlier, it is simple and it's hard, Yeah, but it happens, right? The analogy does break down a little bit. I just got a, I just got a text that uh, our donut sponsor just dropped us. Yeah, exactly. This segment is not brought to you by (laughs) the donut wheel. I was going to say donuts are okay in moderation. Yes. Yes. Uh, You can still have a healthy uh, situation. Because uh, I know Jill Daniels is in our intuitive eating crew is probably rolling over yep. their eyes, whatever. But not uh, Charlie. When you were walking through that process of essentially, you're you're disciplining yourself. You're you're doing what Paul has instructed us. Like, hey, keep keep these things at the forefront of your mind. That that takes effort. It takes labor. It takes you know discipline, and. It makes me think of too, like, well, I'm just, I'll ask you, do you, do you think that 
this moment that you're going through right now where you're dealing with the anxiety and the depression, do you think it is, um, like so in some way, the discipline of God working in your life to, to, to help you grow, you know, like it makes me think of like Hebrews chapter 12, right? So the, the author of Hebrews in the beginning part of, of that, you know, is talking about basically the same thing. Like, Hey, we're running this race. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus so that we can endure. And, and so that anything that might hold us back from running that race, what we can throw those things off as we look to him. And, and then it, it goes into this whole, uh, discussion of, of discipline, right? Like basically don't, don't look negatively upon the discipline of, of your father. Mm. The fact that he trains you in discipline is actually evidence that you belong to him because yeah. every father, even the, the sinful ungodly fathers train their kids and, and discipline their kids. Right. And then he says, basically, Hey, no one likes discipline. It's okay. You don't have to enjoy this season of where you're battling anxiety and depression. But if you, if you allow me, if you allow your father to do his work in you in this season, there's something good on the other side. And the the author of Hebrews says it's the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And man, that's just such a beautiful picture of like when we endure the right kind of way, when we partner, it's almost like God, God is wanting to train us through discipline. And then in order for us to, to participate with that training, we have to discipline ourselves. Basically we, we have to show up and do the work and meet him halfway. And then if we endure and go through that process, we'll get to something on the other side, which is we become more like him and there's peace in that. There's peace in that. Well, and I will, and I know this isn't your point, but I want to make sure that listeners aren't, aren't getting it twisted. God is not putting depression and anxiety in my heart, right? That is not his discipline process. Okay, here we go. We're going to, we're going to make you sin. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or we're going to, you know, and so I have to, God doesn't tempt us. Right. He doesn't tempt us. Right. And he promises us the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if I see one of those things lacking in my life, yes, I have a God who's going to intervene and help me in that process of, of, of figuring out what is going on. He's convince, the discipline is him convicting you yep. of that you, that you're in this yeah. season. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and because again, like I, I think it's the enemy who's whispering those lies right. and the enemy is on a short leash. Jesus has authority over that mm-hmm. enemy. Like there's absolute confidence in that. Um, and yet he, he will allow the enemy to test me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He will allow the enemy to, to to put me through trial or to whisper these lies and this deceit. Because it's an opportunity to train. Because it's God knows exercise. that I have his spirit in me and yeah. I'm going to get to shame the devil by standing, by resisting him and standing firm. Yeah. 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 It's a training day. Ooh. With Denzel Washington. No, hopefully not. Sean, let's hear your best Denzel Washington impression. I'm uh, just kidding. We're I not, not going to do that. Uh, get canceled my real man, quick. My <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was deep. Well done. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, on that note of just, um, which I mean, I feel like we've talked about a lot. We can probably land the plane soon, but on that note, I just want you listening to think about that. You know, like Charlie said, God is never going to put things that are against his heart and character and call for us in your life. So it's not like he's going to make you be depressed. He's not going to make you be anxious. That's Satan. But in the midst of that, we have a beautiful opportunity to represent, you know, to, to be faithful to like the disciples 
take the charge of what Jesus is asking us about how our lives are to look in order to point towards him. And so all to say, man, just what's going on in your life? Yeah. You know, what's, what is going on in your life? And we all got our stuff. We all got our challenges. We all have our burdens. Some of us maybe are struggling with anxiety and depression. Maybe some of us aren't and we're dealing with pride or whatever else it is. You know, we all got our stuff. And in the midst of that, are you turning to the word and are you turning to God? You know, at the end of the day, you need to be. And, and, in, and level two of that, I guess I would say is, you know, if you're someone who's struggling with this idea of training and growth and sanctification, I don't want to accuse you, but I do want to ask you, is there an area of unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life? Yeah. Cause it's just incompatible. You know, that, 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 that way of thinking and living is incompatible with this path that, that God is asking us to walk. And so if that's you, that's okay. Because you're, you're thankfully through the finished work of Jesus, you can stand righteous before the throne, but you need to be faithful to confess and repent. And then like Charlie said, start training, uh, against those things. And then in that beautiful process, yeah, God's going to do his work. You're holding Jesus and you'll have that ability to stand firm firm in your faith, or is it to resist those inclinations firm in your knowledge of what God has done for you? Say no to that donut. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> delicious. I, love, delicious I donut. love donuts for the record. Yeah, they're good. Donuts, guys, donuts. I, I think that's a wrap. I yeah. think that's enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully that's encouraging and equipping and useful, and uh, if not, then you can let us know on Sunday. <laughs> see, see you guys there both campuses. I'll be with you guys at the crossing this Sunday. Oh, that'll be fun. That's going to be great. I'm going to be running sound, I guess, over at the <laughs> Altamont. Love y'all. Bless, yeah. bless, hey, bless you. I'm doing whatever I can. Oh, All right. Boy. See you guys. God bless. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.